Hello, and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. Today's episode's a little different. It's just sort of a conspiracy potpourri with a good friend of mine and one of the many books in her collection, um, this one featuring the man who coined cybernetics. So if you're interested in that, something a little bit light, a little bit more fun, this is the podcast for you. I will be doing some more serious work soon, but I thought after a whole year of heavy, kind of dark, depressing stuff, we should lighten it up a bit. So please enjoy. Yeah, it's like I try not to pronounce the O, I'm like Jordan Person. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, J- wow. JP, JP. But yeah, I Didn't definitely have a huge problem. He was like in rehab. Yeah, he's a fucking drug addict. Why do people? He's a drug addict because he knows he's a shit bag. He's a shit bag and he can't handle it. That's it. I guess that's why he tells people to self-righteously like clean their rooms. And he fucking knows that he's a shit bag. He knows he doesn't give people any real advice and he hates himself for it. And that's why he's a drug addict. Same Whoa. thing with Alex Jones. Alex Jones knows what a shill he is, and that's why he's a total, like, alcoholic cocaine addict, like, because he's, 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 like, self-destructing, because he knows he's a shitbag. Same, same deal. Same deal. <laughs> he's so bloated, Alex Jones. He's, I know, and he probably eats, he's like eating himself to death, too, probably. Like, he looks like he eats he's way too like much. He's, like, he's, like, Glenn Beck. Like, they both yeah. have, like, big, giant tomatoes. Yeah, it's bad. He's gonna have a heart attack any day. Like, literally. literally. Someone should at least, like, fix their white balance for them and try to make them look less red. It can't be that hard. I know, it's like you have all that fancy camera lighting provided by the CIA. Fucking make it work for you. Yeah, and some makeup artists. Yeah, there's ways, all you have to do is apply green to balance out the red. Ew. And then, and then, and then cover it with, like, concealer. That's it. Attack the fried green tomatoes. <laughs> Attack of the Alex Jones. <laughs> Wait, so you think sometimes you tell me that you think Alex Jones... Hey, cat, What's going on? That Alex Jones is uh, Bill Hicks. I thought you agreed with me. I thought you I mean, I... You were I like, Alex Jones is definitely Bill Hicks. I, I, like, <laughs> out of nowhere, I got that I go, message. I go back and forth. I'm like, is it true? It seems so legit. I think it's possible. The production company is there... The ties to that. The plastic surgery possibility. There's like certain things about his face that is very distinct that he shares in common with Bill Hicks. It's like one of my favorite ones where I'm like, I don't know. I really don't. Okay, there's no verified proof, but it it seems likely, actually. It seems more likely than not. Like, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say I'm like 65% sure. (laughs) <laughs> maybe like 70% sure that he is Bill Hicks <laughs> you know yeah I don't know there's something weird about it there's something <laughs> weird about it there's like no pictures of him as a child like huh it's weird really? yeah like, try looking up try looking up like younger pictures of the oldest picture you can find of um, Alex Jones is like from the 90s like you can't find a picture before that it doesn't so exist. So he's like a, definitely an invention of someone's, but we don't know right. who he's an invention of. Right. Like his name, his real name is probably not Alex Jones, or at least his the given the name he was given when he was born is probably not Alex Jones. Hmm. I think Alex Jones is like a personality that 
MK Ultra created or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think he's an. I think he's too. I think I think he actually is smart though. I think he knows exactly what he's doing, and I don't think that. Um, I don't. I don't think that he's a victim. It seems. It seems like he knows what he's doing. So I don't think he's like an MK Ultra person, but like he's involved with the CIA. So, you know, that's obvious. So. Anyway, uh, he's, <laughs> he's so funny in that one appearance on Joe Rogan. What, which one? The, he's been on there multiple there's times. There's like an old one that we watched together. It was older, I think. Oh, that one was from 2017. That was in the wake of the Sandy Hook thing. When right. Because he, he claimed that Sandy Hook didn't happen, and then he backed out of it. And he was like, I was, I was told that from my sources, and... Blah, 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 fourth dimensional aliens. Like, he jumps topics, like, so quickly. Have like, you watched the, uh, anything about Sandy Hook? Oh, we, or we need to talk about Sandy Hook or whatever? Anything. I sent you that, no, you sent me that DLive documentary. Yeah. I got about, like, half an hour into that. I, don't, I have not finished it to this day. I am very <laughs> interested in the subject, but. I think just the policy changes are always interesting. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely think that Sandy Hook was a, like, staged event. I don't know if no one died, but I do know that that event was orchestrated. It was not organic. It's really strange how many actors are involved. Yes. And there was some weird stuff where that lady, like, posted something on Facebook, and she was like, oh, I'm missing my son so much, and someone, like, matched the photo to, like, her kid who, like, that was, like, a photo of him from, like, 10 years prior. Um, so he was not, he was not in kindergarten or whatever. He was, like, he was, like, in his 20s or 30s or something. Like, her, her kid was older. And they found that, they found that, you know. So, um, and, yeah, virtually all of these people are involved in the national security state in some way. So it's really suspicious. There's lots of really strange circumstantial evidence around it and I never thought about it before I only thought about it because I heard about the Alex Jones thing mm -hmm. so I was like okay um, I mean I still I still didn't think it was fake but I, I had heard about it and um, I, I wondered why Alex Jones had said that it was, you know, but he didn't really give his argument. He was just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, he was just apologizing for it. And Joe Rogan was just like, oh, you know, like, like that guy, like he lost his kid. Like, you know, it's just like, you really just can't go around saying that stuff. Like Joe Rogan, he's like really making like an emotional appeal. He's like, you just can't go around saying that stuff, bro. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like these people like lost their kids. It's like really traumatic for someone to tell them that didn't happen, you know, mm. but it's like, come on. It's first like a all, humiliation kind of thing, too. Like, it's, you know... Well, yeah, and first of all, like, okay, I'm sorry. Um, the way people respond to a, your personal tragedy is not your fucking problem. Like, if that happened to me and someone on the internet said, Oh, it's not real, blah, 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 and it was real, like, I don't think I would take that shit personally, honestly. I don't really think I would, like, make a sink about it on the media and be like, It is real! Blah, blah, blah! Like, like, no, like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like, I know what happened, and that's good enough for me. Like, whatever. I mean, if there wasn't an investigation happening because they said, oh, like, it didn't happen, then that would be one thing. 
but like they didn't they also didn't do any investigating on the issue and then there was that that kid who supposedly did it like no one in the neighborhood knew him yeah that's they weird. didn't and they know that thought, he existed they all thought it was the brother right and they also they like they're like oh he's autistic like they always like do that too it's like you know autistic people are probably less likely to murder someone yeah <laughs> actually because like that's just not how their brain works like I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's less, it's definitely less likely. You definitely have to be a different type of whatever you want to call it, neuroatypical person. It's not, that. that's not the type of situation that autism produces. Like, name name a single other, I like, we have an issue with uh, pathologizing human behavior. 100%, yeah. Yeah. You can't just diagnose something as, oh, it's, the, or like, what is that disorder that they diagnose children with? It's like fucking oppositional defiant disorder or whatever. It's like, <laughs> what is that? It's literally just like you oppose authority and oh. like you won't listen to authority figures. Oh, I probably had that. That's literally it. But I'm like, but that's not a disorder though. Like that's, that's literally just your child's behavior. Like how is that a disorder? It's like what you, you expect them to have a certain level of respect for authority. Like that's the whole point. Like it's weird. It's not a real disease, obviously. I would have had that one. Yeah, if you'd been born 10 years later, like, you would have been dying. I know someone my age who was diagnosed with that as a child. That's really political. Right? (laughs) It's like, you can't tell me that they don't indoctrinate people and try to, like, make them submissive when they have fucking, like, disorders called oppositional defiant. Like, come on. And we're supposed to be surprised that it's all, like, oh, conspiracy theorists. da 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 Oh, you can't question authority. Oh. A freaking cooked up <laughs> Wear a mask. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, that is such a great story. I don't know if uh, my friend is listening, but if you are, thank you so much for telling me that story. Apparently, a friend of his likes to go to Disney. <coughs> and uh, while they were there, some characters, I guess, came up to them to tell them, you know, not to forget to put on a mask. It's like goofy or some something. I mean, like, oh, oh, put your mask on. Oh, wear a mask, wear a mask. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh it's such a good story. Oh, honestly, wow. what a. And actually, today I just saw a weird advertisement for Disney. I don't remember what I was looking at, but it was like, "Welcome back." It must have been in some article I was reading, but like an embedded ad for Disney and like these kids wearing these weird masks. That like matched their outfits so that they can like further break everyone from reality. Yeah, I'm like, I don't believe that there's no such thing as, you know, objective reality. Yeah, obviously not. Like, obviously, that's not some made up thing. (laughs) But you would think it is, depending on who you talk to. (laughs) Yo, that's a conspiracy, bro. Yeah, bro. You know. Conspiracy. I don't know. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, the moon. Oh, the moon. Yeah, the moon landing. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't. I don't think we did that. Yeah. I don't think you can get past the Van Allen belt with a lot of radiation. And I want to thank my friend Roberta Glass for pointing that out. At the time, I really didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, that's the one that has the most evidence. 
like you take shit for granted, you know, and then it's like, oh shit, yeah, it really doesn't make sense that we went to the moon. How does that make sense? I think 9-11 is probably my favorite just because it's uh, the most, it's not, I don't want to say favorite as that I think it's like, Right. Well, I like what's it. the one that is uh, interesting? It's the most, 9-11 most interesting to me, though. Right. Because it occurred when I was, like, five. Hmm. So I have, like, a really vague memory of it. Right. But I really had no clue what was going on. But, you know, in terms of this, you want to talk about, like, neuro-linguistic programming. Like, my parents would watch Fox News all the time. And I would see, like, these, like, scary, you know, they would, they would just present these you know, uh, Saddam Hussein or whatever, they'd grab, like, the scariest photo of them and they'd, like, put them up and, like, make them, like, oh, my God, war in Afghanistan. Like, there's oh, a... Oh, yeah, my dad had a, a thing in his uh, closet where he, at the gun range, had shot a yeah. bunch of holes in the Saddam... That was popular. Space. That was a yeah. popular thing back then. And, and, like, I remember I had... There was a drawing I made in school that was, like, oh, like, I'm so glad that we're done with the war in Afghanistan... And obviously Afghanistan is spelled incorrectly or whatever. And then they, I remember the kid next to me saying, like, what do you mean? Like, that war isn't over. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, really? <laughs> Still? Like, <laughs> I was like, and I drew Saddam Hussein, all this shit, like, as a fucking six-year-old. Like, that shit is weird. It's weird that I have that, like, memory of it. And then the reality of it is so different from, like, the one that I was, like, you know, told at the time when I was so young. It's kind of like five-year-olds now experiencing coronavirus and being yeah. told there's a plague and That's all this just stuff. crazy. Like, imagine how they're going to feel when they realize that shit's not real and they're my age. Do you think people are going to realize that this has been just an exploitive process to... I don't think they're going to realize it until it's too late, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they're going to realize it until, like... You, they're doing what they're doing in Canada, like taking people's assets, you know, or, or trying to proposing it, whatever, whatever status that is like, like bringing people to, you know, like camps or whatever, um, you know, not telling their families where they are. Like, I think it's going to take more stuff like that for people to see. Hmm. And, you know, we're in the age of Aquarius and Aquarius is about, you know, revolution and change, but typically you can't have that without hardship because, why change a good thing, right? Mm. You're not going to foster that change if things are good. Right. So in order to feed that energy, um, there's going to be a lot of restrictions. So I think the next 2,000 years is going to be a lot of restrictions, but it's also going to be a lot of revolutions and like positive changes, hopefully. Changes nonetheless, positive or negative, there's going to be a right. lot. And, um, you know, and it's going to be very kind of like, Intellect, more intellectual and less emotional than like the age of Pisces, which is very emotional. You know, religion, that's why religions are dying off. Aquarius, Aquarius has no use for religion. Aquarius is like, no, I'm a fucking alien. Like, I don't believe in any of these. What, what is this? Like, no. Like, <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, like, I a cult from this planet. A cult is a cult. <laughs> Right, which is why we got all new, all new cults now. We have so many. There's so many new cults, and they're cult science-based cults. They're Aqu Aquarian, mm. you know, based on higher ideals. They just, like, replaced like, one thing with another, I guess, to make it sound better or different. Well, yeah, and Aquarius also has this sort of utopian bent, like this sort of, like, 
idealistic, like, and that's, that's what drives the revolution is that idealism, right? So yeah. there's a lot of people that, um, you know, and also particularly it's, it rules like friends and groups. So like there's the cult is like, you know, emblematic, I think of that energy because you're like embodying like like the energy of a group like you're not you kind of dissolved yourself as an individual you're identifying with the group and it's on an intellectual level so you know we're and we're experiencing a battle of ideas censorship which which will bring about more revolutionary thinking because the more more restrictive things are like that causes a reaction you know yeah, Saturn, so. restrictive sort of energy. Yeah, and Saturn came, Saturn fucked shit up last year. <laughs> Saturn and I think Pluto and Neptune, <laughs> they did a lot of things last year. <laughs> so uh, things are not going to be the same anymore. They're just not. So... I don't know, but you can make something positive out of that, you know, like, because I feel like it's, like, I, I mean, wasn't I as guess, motivated yeah. to grow food as I am now. <laughs> yeah, the gardening, back to gardening. Yeah. Yeah, I guess topics. revolution's really pretty scary, but a necessary evil. Because otherwise changes just doesn't happen. Because, why? again, like, why would it? I feel Things like we good, just have been you know? going through all these sort of false changes. It, like, I think technology is kind of like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there's, we see a lot of, uh, I think revolution is interesting and we see a lot of political cults out there. Um, right. They say they believe in science, but it's all this very uh, junky science that right. isn't actually science. And, yeah, and it's all very ideas-based, you know? It's, there's not really, I mean, there is a sort of faith principle in, like, certain ways. Um, but it's based on a set of ideals. It kind of goes back to that Aquarius, Aquarian utopia uh, idealism. It's based on a set of, like, an ideal world. And that's why we're supposed to believe that, oh... It's pretty dangerous. It, well, yeah, it definitely can be. It's like oh, yeah, you know, we're in a perfect world. All you have to do is stay home and you'll stop a virus from spreading. The Unabomber thought it was inherently what? dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, safety is kind of an illusion, but... Um, I think a lot of these things, like, you know, there are these grand ideas, like, you know, safety, liberty, Aquarian... Revolution sort energy. of the ideal, right? This idealism, but it's oh, sort right. of like Utopias. okay, to, yeah. to think to think that oh, it's like I'm like, dude, are you not thinking about like how this is interrupting the food supply chain? Because that's what I'm really concerned about right now. Yeah, lots of people. Like are. that's really concerning. It's like oh, we're just supposed to stay home and 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 like things will just come to our doors magically. I mean, that's a very idealistic, you know, like. <laughs> It's that's that's not, that's not grounded so in reality. Like, yeah, so if you the know? technocrats are in charge, it's a revolution that they're calling like the fourth industrial revolution. Yes. Yes. Um, where it's really, I don't think it's actually feasible, and it's I agree. not a real revolution. It's the Antichrist. <laughs> it's a fake, fake light 
Yeah, it is. I mean, that's really all the Antichrist is. Like, it's not some scary, oh, David, Antichrist, Antichrist, Moshiach is coming. Like, no, <laughs> it's not any of that. It's literally just a false light. Yeah. It's just a fake light. It's not real. You have to recognize it's not real and you'll be fine. It's not like Satan is coming to fucking kill you or some shit. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Bill Gates probably is. Yeah, that motherfucker, <laughs> you gotta watch uh, out for him. Uh, he's buying up all the farmland. Yeah. And, yeah, tr truly, the guy who threw a pie in his face should have assassinated him at the time. Um, yeah, that's really what should have happened in my euconic dream. Bill Gates was already assassinated in the 90s, and none of this has happened. Nothing we're Whoa. experiencing. When did you have that dream? Oh no, it's a Uchronic dream. What's a Uchronic dream? I learned this in school. I don't um, know this phrase. It's called, it's it's basically um, when you feel like, when you're thinking of a reality that wasn't, like mm. you think of something in the past and you, you reformulate the past according to what you desire, you know? Mm. It's like, it's like, oh, you're dreaming, but what you're really thinking about is like, it's like, oh, if I could just go back in time like to the that, 60s. Uh, like that pie in his piece. Summer of 69. <laughs> summer of 69. We, we were, me and some guys from school <laughs> had a band and we tried real hard. <laughs> All of that, that's a Uchronic dream. <laughs> it's like, oh, what if I became in a superstar? Summer of 69. Exactly. What if I became uh, a superstar instead of having kids and a mortgage? Like, that's, yeah. So... That's my Uconic dream, is Bill Gates was assassinated in the 90s. Like that pie in the face was like some poison or something? Yeah, like a poison pie, or he just gets shot in the head or something. He's, you know, uh, he, I wonder how much he pays his uh, PR team. Huh. Yeah, that's a you gotta, I should have gotten into. You gotta pay someone a lot to remake that guy. Yeah. To remake, like, a cartoon villain into, like, a nice guy. He's like, I'm a cartoon villain that wears sweaters and... <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to go for a Mr. Rogers vibe. Yeah. He's trying to go for, like, your friendly <laughs> uncle who's also kind of weird and creepy. he's always, like, creepy and laughing at things that he shouldn't be yeah. laughing at. Yeah, he's a Scorpio, too, by the way. <laughs> of course he is. That's why, he, that's why he's so excited about killing people. <laughs> Burn. Nah, Scorpios actually are less likely to be murderers than Sagittarius's. That's interesting. And any other mutable sign, actually. So, like, Virgos, Gemini, Sagittarius, and Pisces are more likely to be killers than Scorpios. I'm, like, surrounded by books. Yeah, I get I get overwhelmed by the amount of books I have, and I just don't read anything because I'm like, oh, my God, there's too much to read. I can't read any of it. Yo, speaking of books, do you have that, uh, you know, cybernetics book hanging around? Yeah. Where is it? Yeah, I'll grab it. We'll end with the with the cybernetics book. The Use of Human Beings. The Human Use of Human Beings. Oh, yes. By you. Norbert Wiener. One more time. The Human Use of Human Beings by Norbert Wiener. What's the, the cover look like? It's a gear. It's a gear with two men holding it. Uh, I, I want to say this is very Greek. One kind looks of like a young man and the other one looks like a man-man. Oh, dude, I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah, there's always that hint of pedophilia. And there's kind of like a cross. There's a cross in this wheel. Hmm. Interesting. Um, 
And there's a quote that said on the cover. They're in a cog, basically. Stop. Yeah, literally a cog in the machine. Um, the mechanical brain and similar machines, and the mechanical brains in air quotes, because we all know that brains aren't mechanical. They're not like a car that you fix or whatever. And similar machines can destroy human values or enable us to realize them as ever before. A leader of the new scientific revolution tells how and why. When was this book published? And this book was published, uh, I'm going to say in the 30s, or sorry, 1950, actually. Whoa. Yeah, 1950. Um, the side panel... Um, is okay so it says the human use of human beings uh, cybernetics and society is the subtitle this is a revolutionary book by one of the great scientific minds of our time in it dr wiener applies his already famous theory of cybernetics communication and control in the man and the machine to our daily lives great he believes that any use of a human being in which less is demanded of him and less is attributed to him then his full status is a degradation and a waste just as speech is the great achievement of man in contrast to the lower animals so the recent te technical advances in communication have raised man's capacity for good and evil beyond anything hitherto dreamed of long ago the steam engine made the human right arm obsolete as a principal source of power today there exists so-called mechanical brains with built-in memory and capacity to learn, which can do routine mental jobs better than any man. So this is kind of like the pretext for computers, kind of, is what it sounds like. Hmm. Better, you know, memory and brains better than any man, like AI, you know? Um, and which therefore make the untrained mind a drug on the market. That's Propaganda. Commodity as well. Uh, yeah, commodities, um, advertising, you know, programming. Uh, even man's own individuality is that of a form rather than a bit of substance. The fact that, so a form is something you can mold, right? A mm. substance is a substance. You can't, I mean, you can combine it with other substances, whatever, but it's its, its own thing. Mm. A form is something you can mold. The fact that we cannot telegraph the pattern of a man from one place to another is probably due to technical difficulties. How funny is it that now technical difficulties is a common phrase? Sorry, we're having technical difficulties. Oh, sorry, is this sound okay, Can you guys? Imagine when everything's automated and it's just going to be a nightmare. I don't know how far they can actually get with this stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I don't know enough about it, but I'm skeptical of its ability to actually do that much. Um, just because the Earth is more powerful than any of us. <laughs> um, it is not due to any impossibility of the idea. Um, right, so everything, and this is also the arrogance of men. It's like, oh, it's all because of technical difficulties. It's not because anything's impossible. It's like, it's like no, there's a lot of things that are impossible. There's a lot of things that are literally impossible. So no, you can't just create your own reality. You can't in a virtual universe. You cannot in the real world. I'm well, sorry. They want to paste it on top of Elon Musk, on the world. You're not going to Mars. Yeah. You can't breathe on Mars, you stupid fuck. Anyways. These are merely sensational examples of the uses of communication, as Dr. Wiener understands that term. 
They are based on what he calls the feedback principle, he, uh, which in simple terms means that behavior is scanned for its result and that the success or failure of this result modifies future behavior. What has all this to do with you and me? It has to do with our form of government. Democracy works on the feedback principle. Dictatorship does not. It has to do with the American idea of progress, which is often merely exploitation or gambling on future invention mm -hmm. to make up for squandered resources. That's actually pretty true. Definitely. Uh, in circumstances which under which no intelligent gambler would make a bet. It has to do with learning and language, both aspects of communication with our schools, our laws, even our health. It has to do with literature and the arts, which are increasingly dominated by the demands of mass communication. It has to do with war and with military secrecy, which is based on the false concept that information is a commodity. I, I do think information is a commodity. Really? You think it should be a commodity? I don't think it should be a commodity. I think it is a, a commodity. Yeah. Because you have to be able to, you have to pay to get an education. Now, whether this education is worth something or not is debatable, oh, but yeah. you have to pay to get an education. We were talking about it earlier, all the paywalls to this academic exactly. information. So, and also by nature of the environment that you grow up in, um, if your family can't afford to pay the bills, they sure as fuck and, they, and they're working all the time, how are they going to have time to read? How are they going to have time to indulge themselves in that way and think about higher things when they're so focused on trying to survive? How, how is that possible? So, yeah, there is a paywall to information, um, sometimes not as direct as the one on JSTOR or whatever, but, yeah. So this is to the memory of my father, Leo Wiener. <laughs> Sorry, that'll never not be funny. Uh, formerly professor of Slavic languages at Harvard. And keep in mind, this is supposed to be how we use human beings ethically. Is that what the human use of human beings means? What What do you think? I mean, I think he does, like, discuss ethics in this book, but, you know, it's like one of those things where um, they're going to acknowledge how, like, in bioethics, like, oh, all this stuff is fucked up, let's do it anyways. You know? Yeah, I, feel I think like it's kind of like that. That's the same thing that I was reading when I was reading that Mind Wars book where I'm like, so an ethicist is just like they know about them, but they don't actually. They don't care. Yeah. Or, I mean, they can't. Here's the other thing is like they can use that knowledge to anticipate how people might morally reject something and come up with ways to combat that. Yeah. So it all feeds, it all, it's all based on that feedback principle for sure. It all feeds into itself. Um,. How much know. is this book worth? Um, this book is currently selling for $500 on AB. Uh, not sure about Amazon. The, the most recent sale on eBay, I believe, was $350. So, yeah, it's worth upwards of $300. Um, so because we were sort of talking about the progress aspect, we'll read a little bit of this chapter. Also, I see a 21 here, so that's a fun number. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's my birthday, um, but it is the second page in chapter two. Progress and entropy. One of the first problems which comes up in this book is that of progress. It involves essentially an assessment of the direction of change of the world according to certain values. 
One mode of assessment, as we shall see, is connected with statistical mechanics, and on the basis of this mode of assessment and tendency of the world as a whole is downward. Hmm. We shall also see that this mode of assessment is not necessarily that which is relevant to our normal human schemes of moral values. There is no morality. You know. Nevertheless, these schemes of moral values are at the present time too often associated with a belief in progress. This has neither deep philosophical roots nor good supporting scientific evidence. I agree with that. This dispute between optimism and pessimism is as old as civilization. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Each generation has brought those who have seen in the progress of time nothing more than a falling off from a quote-unquote golden age and a downhill progress into an age of iron. And each generation has likewise seen those who have counted those improvements which their contemporaries have made and have found them good. <laughs> what <laughs> sentence is too long for me to even make sense of it? The golden age, what, like an intellectual age into an age I think of iron, like I, another industrial revolution? Yeah, I think what he's kind of saying is like, you know, that's, that's kind of how the tale that's told is like it's constantly built up as, um, you know, oh, things were good once, you know, like... They're not that way again, but, like, no, it's like they were never good, they were never bad. Yeah, all these sort of illusions, like, like nostalgia. Yeah. There was no gold, there was no golden age, you know. At the so. present time, both of these tendencies towards pessimism and optimism have taken on peculiar poignancy and have made claims of the backing of the contemporary scientific thought. In the case of the pessimists... The scientific idea, and we were talking a lot about science as well, which has seemed most in accordance with their interpretation of the universe, is that of entropy, which we have mentioned in the appendix to the last chapter. And we're almost, I'm just going to read this last part here, and I think we're going to wrap it up, because I am thirsty. This notion is associated with that of pattern and represents the amount of disorder in a class of patterns. It is also closely associated with the no notion of information and of its measure, which is essentially a measure of order. Amount of information is a measure of the degree of order, which is peculiarly associated with those patterns which are distributed as messages in time. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it sounds like such an interesting book, but to me, I almost put myself to sleep reading it. I think it's just, like, written in kind of, like, a confusing way. Like On purpose? Probably. You know, maybe this dude was the original postmodernist. Like, because it's written in such a way where, like, it sounds smart, but when you try to put it together, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, there are certain bits of it that make sense, but, like, as a whole picture, so, it's like, unrelated. So, like, let me just break down these sentences, because sometimes yeah. I have to do that. So, and then I'm going to wrap it up. At the present time, so now, both of these tendencies, yeah, it's like a style thing for me, I guess. Both I, I get the, yeah. these tendencies towards, have taken on, you know, importance, and have made claims 
of the backing of the contemporary scientific thought? Like, I guess, the the efficacy or the... Or it seems like contemporary scientific thought has sort of um, helped these ideas grow along. Like, it's encouraged them. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. I feel really like the stupid backing, that I don't understand. I think, it's, also... I think it's saying, like, the backing of science. So it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of like there's an idea out there and um, whatever you see it like, like a cultural phenomenon happening, and um, you know, oh, they do these studies that prove that it's real, you know, blah blah blah. But it's like it's a cultural phenomenon. It's not just like, you know, it's not a purely scientific thing. But it will it will have the backing of the scientific community. So even if it's not, even if it's, you know, a tale as old as time, like he was saying before. Um, it has like a certain thing to back it up, like a certain uh, ideology. Um, this this optimism pessimism thing he's talking about. So, in the case of pessimists, the scientific idea. What is the scientific idea? Like, what does he mean by that? Well, I don't know. Keep reading. What does it say? The scientific idea, which has seemed most in accordance with their their so pessimists' interpretation of the universe is that of entropy, right? So he thinks that entropy isn't a natural process, mm. which it is in this realm. I hate to break it to you, yeah. but uh, ephemeral uh, qualities, entropy, things, you know, um, eroding, decay, death, that's all yeah. part of what we experience here. Well, and that's why cybernetics is closely connected to transhumanism, this sort of concept of, like, you know, the fountain of youth, like... So he's saying that feats. this view of the universe is pessimistic. Which I think is a shame, because death is a part of life. Death makes you appreciate life. You know? Right. This notion is associated with that of pattern... This is where he lost me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and represents the amount of disorder in a class of patterns, like chaos within patterns or something. It is also closely associated with the notion of information and of its measure. Pessimism, which is essentially a measure of order. I think this is what he's... You tell me. Amount of information is a measure of the degree of order which is peculiarly, peculiarly, peculiarly <laughs> which is strangely, I'll just do that, which is strangely associated with those patterns which are distributed as messages in time. That part, I have no fucking idea what that means. I have no idea. It's really poetic. It's, it's just written in a way that, like... And I don't respond well to poetry, so I'm, I'm not... I don't like it, because I don't understand what he's trying to say. That To yeah. me, it sounds like entropy is pessimistic. Oh, no, it's negative. Even though it's not negative, because it just is. It's just a is. fact of life. Yeah. It just is. Um, and so, I think, with cybernetics... And I don't know what this man's actual purpose of this book... But man as machine is actually the main idea behind cybernetics. Yeah. So. And I think if it's if man is a machine, then 
machines don't, I mean, I guess you could argue, you know, you got to get your car tuned up every now and then, but machine is supposed to be something that can just run, doesn't need to be replenished, it doesn't need to, like, rest, you know, so it doesn't have that sort of death, it, it can't die, really, like, because it was never alive, mm -hmm. that's, you know, so, um, and yeah, just the sort of wanting to not, you know, be in this natural realm without, you know, using us in some way. Yeah, it's like mechanizing human beings, like making human beings into machines. And like, you know, what what did we see? This book was written in 1950, okay, just after World War II. So, you know, um, <laughs> what happened after that? Uh, people got into all these office jobs, like they, they greatly expanded, like corporations, bureaucracy, like all this stuff. People are literally in cubicles, like... <laughs> like, you know, mechanized. Everyone's in a box. Um, everyone's in a box. Everyone's in a very controlled environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... These people are very influential, you know? These people that write books like this. Yeah, so um, speaking of him being influential, let's take a an outro with us. I want you to read the back because I'm very thirsty. So I'm going to get a glass of water and I just want you to read the back of this book about our friend. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Norbert Wiener, a professor of mathematics at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, is the sponsor of the new science, cybernetics. I made up the word cybernetics from the Greek word for steersman, uh, the steersman of a ship. It comes from the same root as governor and refers to control and communication in the animal and the machine. Dr. Wiener explains his textbook on the subject cybernetics caused a sensation in scientific circles and also had a wide general sale. Dr. Wiener, born in 1894, was graduated from Tufts College at the age of 15 and received his Ph.D. from Harvard at 19. Wild. He took advanced studies at Cornell and Columbia, Cambridge, England, uh, Göttingen, and Copenhagen, and taught at Harvard and the University of Maine before joining the staff of MIT in 1919. Since then, his achievements in mathematics have brought him international recognition. He was joint recipient of the Bakker Prize of American Mathematical Society in 1933 and in 1936 was one of the seven American delegates to the International Congress of Mathematicians in Oslo, Norway. Hmm. While on leave from MIT uh, in 1935 to 36, Dr. Wiener served as research professor of mathematics at the National uh, Tsinghua University in Peking, China. Is it Peking or Peking? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't think it's even called that anymore. Probably not. I uh, think during that's Beijing or something. Maybe, yeah. During during World War II, he devised a method of solving problems of fire control and developed improvements in radar and certain Navy projectiles. Interesting. A member of... So he has a military background. Right. I think that's relevant. <laughs> yeah, of course um, it's relevant. A member of the American Mathematical Society, the National Academy of Sciences, and the London Mathematical Society, Dr. Wiener explains his background thus. 
I was brought up in an atmosphere where it was expected that a person could write or would write. My training was as much classical as scientific. I got my classical education from my father, the late Leo Wiener, probably good to look up that guy too, uh, who was professor of Slavic languages at Harvard. Right. My scientific education I got for myself. Wait, so what did he get from his dad? I'm zoned out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a really long bio. Like, yeah. no one writes bios this it's long really, anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. That's why I thought I was like, hey, there's a lot of info about this guy just on the back. So I guess he's saying that his classical education was from his father, but his scientific education was something that he worked for So himself. classical education meaning, like, literature and... Right, because his father was a professor of languages. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, there's a lot of... And he, he coined the term cybernetics. He coined it. He, he's the one that invented it, so... Which is probably why this book's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, a first edition. If anyone is interested... Yeah, I'll sell it to you. Copy, uh, let, us, let me know. It's $500. You can email me. Minimum asking price is 350 Uh <laughs> Yeah. 